Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, which I'm excited to say we are now airing five days a week. Once a week, you can still hear an interview with a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness across Spaceship Earth. But now, also in addition to the weekly interview, on the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics we deem worthy of discussion. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Procabulary.org. Procabulary offers a brilliant new online language course that I just recently completed myself called Core Language Upgrade. The course material is designed to help you analyze the way you use your words and language to create your reality. I personally believe the words you choose to speak or write out is referred to as spelling for a very good reason. You're literally casting an energetic spell every time you open your mouth, which means it's of the utmost importance that you have a foundational understanding about the power or lack of power that the words you're choosing to use conjures up. I strongly believe language mastery is a highly important skill set that way too few people have taken it upon themselves to become educated on. And what Procabulary does is actually provides you with an incredibly easy to follow roadmap that only takes about 10 minutes a day spanned over 21 days to complete, which shows you how to go about changing your language patterns so that you can start getting better results in every aspect of your life. Now, As a Positive Head Podcast listener, if you decide to go to Procabulary.org and purchase the Core Language Upgrade course, you'll get 33% off if you use the promo code POSITIVEHEAD, all one word, on the checkout page. The retail price for Core Language Upgrade is normally $299, and I'd say it's really worth every penny of that, but it's especially worth it after your 33% positive head discount because it drops the price to $199. That's a crazy good deal that I had to do some serious convincing to get the guys at Procabulary to give to our listeners, so I really hope some of you will take advantage of it while it lasts. Also, if you need more convincing about the power of Procabulary, check out Positive Head Podcast number 20, where I actually interview Procabulary co-founder Mark England, and we discuss language mastery in great detail. All right, all you Positive Heads, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I have my trusty sidekick and co-host, Dalian the Alien, here with me. Hello, Dalian. Hello, Brandon. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of uh, our daily podcast. It is a Monday, indeed. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Daily and the Alien, was that you flying over LA this weekend uh, in a spaceship that was caught on on film by all these, I think several people caught it on film from what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Could it be a little coy and not confirm nor deny that that was me? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could. You could play could play that card, but uh-huh. you know, if it was you and you were just out for um, a stroll across the Los Angeles skies, you can go ahead and tell us. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that um, if it was a bit like a magic trick and, you know, saying for sure that it was me would give it away, kind of ruin the magic. Then, true. You know. That's true. Yeah. yeah, looking at it, like I suppose it's a. They're saying it's a Trident missile or something, but it looks pretty cool. It almost looks like that spiral that happened in Norway a few years ago. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. No, I don't know that I ever heard about that spiral. Oh wow, you should look it up. It's called the Norway spiral. It maybe happened five years ago, and it is like a crazy looking portal 
blue spiral thing in the sky in Norway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there's all kinds of speculation what it could be. Some person, I think they did say it, they thought it was a missile that was spinning out of control. If so, it was definitely creating like a weird looking pattern. Whereas this one in LA over the weekend didn't look quite as, as weird. I mean, it was cool colors in the sky or whatever have you, but uh-huh. the, the Norway spiral was more, more impressive to look uh, at. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. One thing's for sure though. There's of course, like a lot of videos out on YouTube now, right. Of, uh, alleged UFO sightings and encounters, but, um, there's just so many and so many, like you said, are so impressive looking that, Mm-hmm. They can't all be missiles. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess this one, it looks like they're, the, the Navy confirmed that they did a scheduled Trident missile test or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not that that 100% means that's what it was, but it, it, you know, it sounds like in this case, uh, the aliens have not come to land quite yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you on that we, one. We'll, we'll keep you guys posted. The moment we hear that they land, we'll, you know, you'll be the first to know if you haven't found out before <laughs> uh, before hearing it from us. We're certainly nerdy enough to be uh, constantly watching uh, for our brethren from the skies. <laughs> yeah. It's amusing to think that Positive Head is going to have the worldwide scoop on alien <laughs> yeah, contact. Yeah. Hey, right? you never know. Maybe one will show up at their doorstep here at the studio and actually come in for an interview. I mean, you do wear a tinfoil cap most of the time for our podcast so you know in case you you receive any any incoming signals <laughs> yeah yeah it wouldn't be too surprising after we've been essentially inviting them to show up over and over for a long time that, should one of them actually show up that's true that's true well did you ever see uh what was it one of the crop circles you know we sent out in the 70s a message in outer space talking about what we look like our dna and oh, yeah. things like that did you ever see that we received a, a response back maybe I don't know, sometime in the last decade in the form of a, a crop circle, I believe. And it was similar to the same type of message and, you know, picture uh, representation of mankind. Uh, but, you know, yet it had some totally different DNA sequence and different information. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty unique uh, crop circle hoaxers, if that's indeed what it was. And it wasn't truly a response. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Well, I would like to, uh, enough about uh, the extraterrestrial contact or our desire for there to be uh, more of it. (laughs) Um, I'll move along to uh, giving a big, big thank you to Sarah Gray for uh, writing a review on iTunes. And I'll just give a quick uh, reading of it because it certainly helps inspire myself and and I know you, Dalian, to hear people responding to all of our hard work on the podcast here. And in this case, Sarah said, High Vibrational Soul Medicine. This podcast is a gift for me. On the best of days, Positive Head is a soul-tingling, deliciously interesting and uplifting compilation of inspiration, high vibration, and intellectually stimulating conversation between Brandon, Dalian, and their awesome guests. On the worst of days, when existence is a struggle, Positive Head is the best kind of medicine. The vibration of this podcast has the power to lift me out of some very dark places. Thank you for the reminders to my consciousness from your consciousness that we are the same consciousness. Two words, soul food, my favorite podcast ever. Wow, that's such a great review. Sarah, I think we need to get you on the show to write uh, some blogs or some, you know, some some positive head pondering breakdowns or something because... uh, that was really well written, mm. so I wanted mm-hmm. to just read it off and thank you personally here on the show. Uh, I assume that you'll be listening out there because it sounds like you listen regularly, so thank you. And for all of you else out there listening, um, please follow Sarah's uh lead there as i've always mentioned we are uh trying to get as many ratings and reviews on itunes as possible as itunes is 
the holy grail of all things podcasting. And the more of that stuff you get, the better you know placement you get as far as uh, visibility on the iTunes charts and so forth. So thank you, Sarah, so much. And uh, hopefully we'll have some new ones to read off here in future episodes. Absolutely. Hint, yeah. Hint. yeah, I have a feeling <laughs> that's the case. I'm seeing them uh, trickle in more yeah, and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, we definitely appreciate that. Let's see here. What else to chat about today? Uh, I always like to try and pull in something from my own personal you know, life story as it progresses day to day. That's one of the things I love about these daily podcasts, because as things uh, happen in my own life, I love to just use this podcast as a way to talk about them and share and, you know, what I'm growing from or learning from or trials and tribulations and uh, kind of share it with you, the audience. And one of the things that uh, I thought I would talk about a little bit today is anger and how much anger plays a role in uh, all of our lives. And I know for me, I've always been someone with so much passion and energy and life force and that can you know definitely be the good wolf or the bad wolf (laughs) you know at times most of the time i'm a very positive head uh although uh, i certainly can be quick to temper and anger and things like that and that's one of the things that i've been working on more than anything else is that short fuse that that i you know can have at times and you know it's i saw i saw a quote that really inspired me to talk a little bit about this and it was uh it was just definitely kind of uh, got to to my core. It said, "Angry is just Sad's bodyguard." Mm-hmm. And uh, Liza, it looks like Liza Palmer. Uh, that's her quote. And uh, I just really liked that because when you look at someone who's really angry, and you, we see so much of it, and it's so easy to hate on people that are angry and negative. And if you can see beyond it, you know, ev- reality is. Like an onion, there's so many layers to everything that's going on, and we're always looking so so much at that kind of surface layer. And if you look at someone who is angry, it's so easy to dislike them and not care about them and and be angry back at them. And but yet, if if you're willing to look a little bit further, a little bit deeper, and and understand that angry is just sad's bodyguard, and then instead of seeing someone who is ugly and mad and all those things, you see someone who is um who's actually sad, uh, it certainly changes the way that you look at them. And so, uh, yeah, I just, it's, it's something that I wanted to talk about a little bit for that very reason. Next time that you are experiencing bumping up against angry, maybe try and look a little bit further and see there's just someone sad under there. I had an experience in my own life, even in the last, uh, what was it? A few days ago where someone was just unreasonably negative to me and kind of mean and you know you could just see sort of the anger in their in their face and and it, instead of reacting angrily back like I can sometimes and have been known to uh having a little bit of a a short fuse myself I just I've really been working in the last year or so on knowing that calmer heads prevail in any type of negative situation any kind of interaction with someone and uh so i just tried to to be calmer and see and then when i you know i thought about it in this particular person well what's going on with them they're having they're in the process of going through a divorce uh a a lot of stress and and um business with that person Mm -hmm. and things like that and it's kind of all coming together and what does it show as anger and disrespect and things like that in in this case towards me but instead of you know fighting fire with fire, trying to remain as calm as possible and and be rational with the person. And it always diffuses it, you know, where there's anger, there's, there's pain underneath, you know, there's sadness underneath. 
And uh, of course, probably most of you have heard the, the Buddha quote, uh, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting another person to die. So instead of being angry back at them and hating on them for what's going going on in their own lives, understanding that this person is um, just just hurt. They're just sad. And uh, I think that really helps to diffuse the situation and make it a little bit easier mm-hmm. to, to deal with someone who's angry, you know, in this case, when it's coming at you instead of you spewing it at them. Yeah, absolutely. It's so hard to do the thing, like you said, that is critical, would be critical in dealing with yourself when you're angry, but especially with someone else, because it's so tempting to fall prey to that illusion, right? But the one thing that I know I've uh, sort of learned, and yet, of course, you know, fail to (laughs) put in practice much of the time, but it's to not take it personal, right? When it's not about you. Right. A lot of times when someone is angry and lashing out, uh, they're in a way seeking to make it about you. And yet, like you said, I, I, I know that many in many instances I've seen through that facade of anger to what was really bothering this person that just manifested as anger in the moment. Yeah. But that, of course, like you said, many times can be boiled down to, you know, uh, confusion, sadness, etc. And uh, the temptation is just so great to for the other person, of course, to project onto you and then for you to just go right along and make it personal. When a lot of times it's just it really doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And next time you find yourself, you know, we're two different things we're really talking about here is, well, one is, you know, someone being angry towards you and another is you being angry towards someone else. Well, if you're being angry towards someone else, I challenge you to just kind of go completely beyond that anger and get to what's really hurting you. And instead of lashing out in anger at someone, just becoming as raw and real as possible with them and saying, Hey, here's why this hurts me. Here's, here's, you know, become vulnerable. I think the more vulnerable someone can become, and that's something that I challenge myself to do with this podcast is be as raw and real and vulnerable with people, with you guys as possible, because I think everyone can relate to that. And when you can, someone is doing something that your, your initial reaction is to be angry to them. Um, you know, typically you're going to get anger back. What you're putting off, you're going to get more of. So if you can move a level beyond that and get to what's really hurting you and then express that in a way that's more vulnerable and more raw and more real, I think the response that you'll get back will be so much gentler and and understanding. It's, it's you know, you kill them with kindness, so to speak, instead of anger. Mm-hmm. And And on the other side, like I said, you know, holding on to anger for someone uh, is the worst thing that you can do because it is like, you know, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And, uh, oftentimes, you know, whatever someone's done that you're angry at them, it's, it's a reflection of themselves more than anything. It's, so it's, it's, if you can start seeing things from a higher perspective, it's less, you become less and less likely to take it so personally, like you were saying. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, we touched a little bit on uh, our dream of there being a, a real legitimate UFO sighting here uh, in Southern <laughs> California. We'll hold out for that for another day. Uh, what do you got as far as a uh, uh, story of the day? And now for your positive story of the day. I've got something to share here from wakeupworld.com. That's wakeup dash world.com okay okay and i've got a story from last week regarding a congressional report from 1978 okay so the report's a little bit old of course but it was just recently released in digital format in pdf document format and this is a hefty report just under 750 pages out of which uh, a lot is dedicated to oh well i'm sorry the title of the report is weather modification programs 
problems, policy, and potential. So this is a report from the late 70s commissioned by Congress regarding weather modification technologies. And part of the reason why I wanted to talk about it real quick is that, of course, there, um, there's an excerpt on the article that I'm reading here uh, with some of the key findings from the report, uh, scanned pages from the document, uh, from the PDF file. But one of the things that this got me thinking is that for sure, you know, if you wanted to pay a little bit of attention to something like a slightly more kind of conspiracy bent um, angle on, you know, our government knowing about weather modification. One of the things that really struck me here within the last week or so here in Southern California, where we live, where the weather just, it seems like it just changed very quickly, right? We went from, you know, a relatively nice summer to fall bordering on winter. It it just changed very, very quickly. It seems like we just rolled the clock back last week and the weather changed instantly. It was like, oh, okay, it's time to, it's time to get colder. But that's the one thing that this article and all of this sort of got me thinking is that um, there may be, of course, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to dispute it. There are real, um, you could say, scientific or physical causes to the weather, right? Mm -hmm. And then there, of course, is also a lot of man-made activities like our emissions of carbon uh, fuels and such that are, are having a definite impact on the planet. But I think that there's an additional factor. I think that perhaps our collective consciousness, all of our thoughts and emotional energy added up together on a mm. global scale right. is also influencing the weather. I think that it, it also really has something to do with, of course, I'm not suggesting that, you know, one person can change, you know, weather patterns with their mind, maybe someone really powerful out there that's <laughs> keeping it on the DL. But I think that collectively we can influence the climate and uh, and we're just not aware of that. So it's an additional factor aside from all the other ones that already exist. Right, right. Um, yeah, you probably, are you familiar with HARP? Have you, have yes, you, I have heard of it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been, of course, for years and years, a lot of talk about uh, that, some, you know, being something, and I won't go into all the details of it for, for time's sake on this podcast, but that's something that people who are interested in weather modification and things like that, because, of course, um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation for a long time about the government modifying the weather and playing with the weather and things like that so right um and yeah i think you're right we can um certainly affect all kinds of things from the weather on you name it if you have enough people collective consciousness focusing on changing things uh you you've probably heard of the story uh in the i want to say it was in the 90s where they came together in dc to uh try and reduce the crime rate in the summertime and oh yeah the police chief went on record saying uh, you know, and they basically were getting a group of meditators together to try and focus on in reducing crime. And I think it was something like 25 percent. They they speculated that they would reduce the crime but based off of previous uh, experiments like this that they had done. And the chief of police went on record saying, well, we're going to need to get, you know, a foot of snow in in the summer to reduce crime by 25 <laughs> percent. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, by the end of the experiment over like a, a six week time period or something like that, the, that the crime had been reduced. Uh, I think even a little more than what they speculated it would. And um, so the, the, the chief of police, if I'm recalling, I haven't, it's been a while since I've looked at this story. He went back on record saying, wow, I'm shocked. This actually happened. This actually worked. And um, so there's a great example of affecting something like crime and, and, you know, so why not the weather or anything, anything else, um, you know, it's, it's incredible what we can do when we all put our minds to the same same thing. And I think that's a, such a great study. They talk about that 
Um, what movie is it that they talk yeah, about? Yeah, that's a really stark example. That's from What the Bleep Do yeah, We Know. Right, right. If you yes. guys have ever heard of What the Bleep Do We Know, I would recommend checking it out. And I might even have referenced it before on the show. It's a really good, um, really good uh, show that talks about you know quantum physics and creating reality with thoughts and things like that. It's almost like a documentary slash you know, movie all rolled into one. It's uh, definitely kind of a unique format. And they talk about that particular study uh, in DC in that movie. So, yeah, it was one of the, uh, I think pioneering documentaries of the sort of, you know, bent, you could say a little more metaphysical, a little more um, probing the nature of reality and uh, you know, how that relates to our situation on the planet. Now, I think you're absolutely right. And that's really part of the reason why I wanted to share this story real quick is that, I just get a sense that so many people look at something like, you know, they would see this article on weather modification commissioned by the U.S. government. Yeah. And they would think, uh, and a lot of people generally think this way, that, oh, it's those other people out there. There's like a group of people who are, you know, have nefarious intent and are doing things that could affect us all negatively. Right. But that strikes me as a very disempowered way of looking at things. Right. I, I think that we all have to assume that we all collectively, and of course, individually a lot of times, but we all have the power to effect really profound change. And, right. and it's not always just some people out there or some government entity. It's always us all together. Right. Right. Cool. Very cool story. So let's see here to move right along. I would like to move along to the positive pondering breakdown of the day. And this one is a quote by S.C. Laurie. I am not trying to fix myself anymore. I am trying to love myself. There is a big difference. And the breakdown is written by Sue Krebs. And Sue, uh, Sue broke it down a little bit like this, or a lot of it like this. <laughs> awareness is the first step toward making any change. And over the past few years, my awareness of myself has grown by leaps and bounds. I became aware of how childhood sexual abuse colored my perceptions and how those perceptions were impacting my current relationships. I became aware of the nature of the universe, that everything is energy, and how our thoughts create our experiences. I became aware of the endless negative self-talk that I engaged in, which perpetuated the less than desirable experience in my life. I became aware of my connection to our source, to the creator, and in doing so, I've become aware of my wholeness. Years of therapy concentrated on, on what went wrong in my life and my experiences. It taught me to identify and to allow my feelings to be expressed rather than subverted and buried. <clears throat> While giving voice to those buried emotions was certainly helpful and liberating, there came a point when simply rehashing it all was no longer useful. Once we understand what needs to change, in order to create that change, we must actually start to do things differently. Otherwise, we simply continue to repeat the pattern which we've already identified as being unwanted. We have been handed a model that portrays us as broken and damaged in need of fixing, and many of us have undertaken this fix-it-up project with gusto. We have related to ourselves as being incomplete, and so we have sought something or someone to complete us, to fill in the gaps to soften the rough edges. We've we have continued to view ourselves as being in need of repair. While seeking to improve ourselves can be beneficial, holding on to the image of ourselves as damaged or broken imposes limitations on us. Unwittingly, we have bought into the polarity of either being perfect or broken. There is no middle ground here. And since we inherently assume we'll never be perfect, we erroneously conclude that we must therefore remain broken. 
The time has come to shift out of this confining perception of ourselves as damaged goods. We're human. We've all been through challenging experiences. We've all been hurt and maybe even scarred by some of those experiences. Despite whatever we've been through, we are all still lovable beings. We are worthy of feeling loved, valued, respected, and adored. But, and here's the biggest kicker of all, until we are willing to give those things to ourselves, we can't even begin to believe we are worthy of them when someone else offers them to us. We have to make this shift internally. We have to choose to stop focusing on all we perceive to be wrong about ourselves. And instead, we have to begin to love ourselves in our entirety, scars and all. What we believe to be true about ourselves is revealed through the words we speak to ourselves. So listen closely. Are you speaking lovingly to and about yourself? Or do you make jokes and put yourself down? Do you demean and denigrate yourself because of your appearance, your job, your bank account, where you were born or where you live? None of those things are who you are. Don't use them as your excuse to continue beating yourself up. Stop the beatings and start loving yourself. That is how you'll move beyond your current limitations. Love is the cure and the answer. The truth of who we are lies within each one of us. And that truth is that we are all expressions of divine love in human form. Let that truth be evident in your life and you'll experience the greatest transformation imaginable. That breakdown was by Sue Krebs. Sue, thank you as always for a beautiful and insightful breakdown. Uh, I, I made, <clears throat> makes me instantly think of an uh, ex-girlfriend that I had who would always do that. She would start putting herself down, demeaning herself, what she's done wrong. <clears throat> and in no matter how much I try to kind of snap her out of it, how much convincing I could do that you're worthy of these things, you're worthy of the best, you have all this potential, uh, you have all this beauty inside of you, until she was willing to look at it in herself and see it in herself. And ultimately it became a mismatch in vibrations that we, we could no longer be together because there was so much of that sort of degradation. And um, until someone really understands and sees the beauty of who and what they are, it's uh, it's just not, uh, it's just not going to work for them. They're going to find that they're, they're broken. And, and I love the Japanese culture. They use this technique and I, I may have even mentioned this before, where if they have a broken piece of China or something, they'll actually fill it in with gold to, to mend the, the, the broken gap. And they believe it makes it more beautiful. And when you can start thinking of your scars as something that makes you more beautiful and as part of your story, as part of your life that, uh, actually, you know, improves you instead of somehow holds you back yes we're human we're all going to go through hardships things that that knock us down and and beat us up and you've really it, the difference between the people who come out better for it and worse for it are is all perspective is all the perspective on that when you can say wow this made me who i am this is part of uh who i am and uh it you know it's going to uh it's going to give me perspective that I otherwise would have never had to help other people and to help myself. And I can love myself in spite of any of these challenges. I think it's, it's, uh, it's all the difference. Mm-hmm. I can relate to what wrote, uh, what uh, Sue wrote. And of course it's a great blog. I agree. Uh, but um, the one thing that what you said and what she wrote made me think of is how 
it's pretty critical to learn how to see how you're wrong when you when you're thinking so negatively about yourself, but to resist the temptation to once again take that and sort of fold it back onto itself and make it again sort of like a personal thing about you and how quote unquote wrong you always are, right? Right. Because the whole dichotomy between being perfect and being broken right. is something that I very much relate to in my experience. And uh, what that make, makes me think of now is that whole dichotomy between awareness being the thing that's going to help you overcome your own essentially faulty thinking, really, because that's what it is. If you're thinking so consistently down and, you know, negatively of yourself, and it's something that's just, of course, having these manifestations in your life that make it very obvious and very clear that, that you're just putting yourself down constantly. Yeah. That's wrong. But only insofar as it's not producing what you want in your life. So I would, you know, of course, try and resist the temptation to judge it and say, oh, that's wrong, like in a categoric way, across the board, flat out wrong. I don't think I don't really know that such a thing exists like this universal sort of wrong. Right. Right. My views on right and wrong are (laughs) that's not kind of funny, but they're very relative. You could say it's all relative to the individual, the situation and the context. But the one thing that this gets me thinking of for sure is how to learn to see where and when you're wrong and resist the temptation to make it into another reason to beat yourself up. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is you can, you can definitely get on such a, everything's always a domino effect in one direction or the the other, you know, you can get in this radical gratitude, appreciation, seeing the silver lining, the glasses half full, uh, you know, pattern, so to speak, or you can get in the other one. Oh, I'm an idiot. And here's why I'm an idiot. And now I've even feel like more of an idiot. And you know, here's why I'm wrong. And it's so easy. And it's, that's really what a lot of this podcast we're talking about here is how to, how do you, what different techniques and ways and perspectives that you can adopt in order to start the domino effect in the direction that you want. And if you can start the domino effect in a positive direction where, Hey, I, I met this challenge or I did this thing incorrectly or, or what have you, and I'm better for it. I've grown from it instead of gosh, I'm such an idiot. You know, when you can realize that you're perfectly imperfect, that is when you start getting somewhere in your own growth. And until you can start seeing that in yourself and, and loving yourself for all the faults and screw ups and bad things that have happened to you and knowing that they're all part of the the path to what's next, they're all leading to the next greatest and greatest version of yourself. You're going to look back and in, in from a, a, a you know, a, another perspective down the road, you're going to look back and see that those things made you exactly who you are and gave you actually a great strength in disguise. Right, right. As you well know, if we all wanted a life that was sort of guaranteed, full of nothing but joy, and we always won, right? Every touchdown pass was a, yeah. every pass was a, you know, winning uh, pass, then we would have never left heaven. If we yeah. wanted, you know, assurances that everything was always going to turn out right, and that exactly. you know, we would never be mistaken, then we would not be here. So The sweet's never quite as sweet without the sour. Mm-hmm. So appreciate the sour. <laughs> Okay, well, we're getting down to it here. Uh, I will uh, address a question that was uh, written in, and this came from Jim Stubley. And uh, Jim Stubley actually wrote this question. He said, you talk a lot about psychedelics. Do you endorse drug use? And that is a great question. Yes, I have talked quite a bit about psychedelics and plant medicines and things like that. And so to say I endorse drug use, um, 
I wouldn't say that I endorse drug use. I would say I endorse using anything that helps you to uh, broaden your perspective. I think I endorse broccoli, but if you eat too much broccoli, or I endorse, endorse water, but if you sit there and drink too much water, you're going to get poisoned from it. You're It's going to actually kill you. So I think uh, there are certain plant uh, medicines and entheogens uh, that are particularly helpful, like ayahuasca and, you know, psilocybin mushrooms and LSD and, uh, you know, which is a synthetic, you know, not a plant medicine, but proven to be very, very low in pertaining to harm that is done. There is really no real proof of harm being done. Uh, But on the flip side, on the upside, it's, you know, I, I can tell you even in my personal life, how many people who said, you know, I took mushrooms and it, you know, psilocybin mushrooms and it changed my life because it takes down the veil. It shows you more of the connectedness of all things. Now, you start talking about something like cocaine or heroin or, you know, some of these uh, other drugs that are a much lower vibration who have done major harm, destroy lives. No, I don't endorse those at all. Uh, I don't see any any benefit that comes from that from them. Um so, uh, yeah, when it comes to the use of, of things that broaden your mind, but even those, you know, if you were to sit around and do uh, psilocybin mushrooms all day or ayahuasca all day every day, it probably wouldn't be helpful. It would You would uh, go beyond uh, it being help and being more of a hindrance. In, in that case, it's being used as an escape from your life here. So I think, uh, I believe strongly that they can be used to give you a glimpse of higher states of consciousness and connecting with uh, source and so forth but uh it's not the way that you it's just it's just a taste of what you can do on your own i think you know you can do do things like breath work where i've talked to people who just with breathing have had uh incredible experiences uh you know beyond the body and things like that where it's doing nothing but um you know breathing uh with intention so (laughs) So yeah, I, I do. Uh, I endorse anything that's going to help to expand your consciousness, and I think there are uh, certainly some uh, plant medicines and even you know things like LSD and so forth that have been, uh, or mescaline or things like that that have been created that really help to um, to expand consciousness. And of course, it's something that uh, our ancestors have been using for millennia to expand consciousness, and the shamans and uh, you know, spiritual teachers going back as far as we can, you know, as recorded history goes and using these sorts of tools to enter into alternate altered states of uh, consciousness and expand awareness. But once again, like anything, it's, it's a tool to show you a taste of something, not as an escape mechanism that you would use uh, as a permanent, you know, a permanent tool, so to speak, something that you would do all day, every day. It's, it, there's only so much there's diminishing returns i think absolutely after some 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 degree and only you can decide that for yourself and when it comes to a lot of these hard synthetic things uh that have been created that just destroy lives and kill people and things like that no i do not have any uh particular love for things like that uh or would ever endorse them Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have to say that if, of course, your answer was very measured, very intelligent, well thought out, well spoken. But if we were going to say something sort of in a very plain fashion, kind of like the question, we could say abusing drugs of any kind 
is not a good idea, kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Abusing drugs is, is never a good idea. But as you've said, there's this class of drugs like cocaine, like heroin, a few, a few of the, um, you know, other related drugs that, in in my view, in my experience, have virtually no value right. in in as as far as being a tool that can help you grow. Yeah. Whereas we we both know from experience that psychedelics have tremendous potential to help you grow. But once again, a, a substance is never go- going to do something for you that you're using it to do for yourself, essentially. Right. So it it's always a tool, and I suppose it can be it can be understood up to a point uh, the temptation that some people have to think that something like MDMA is going to give them that feeling. I, I know because I had an awesome experience with MDMA earlier this year, right? Mm-hmm. That helped me, um, I think it helped me achieve a tremendous sort of heart chakra opening. And f- in fact, that's exactly what it, you know, you said that to me and it, that's what it felt like in my case. Yeah. But I, I could recognize how there was, there might be a temptation there to think, oh, if I take MDMA again, I'm going to get that awesome feeling again, but it doesn't quite work that way. And MDMA is for sure one of the ones that you want to be more careful with. I absolutely say this from, you know, having had an awesome experience with it, yet seeing the very real risks that it can carry. So I could never, of course, condone abusing any kind of drug. But as you said, knowing what they do, knowing how they can help you and just making a very considered, measured, careful decision is absolutely the right way to go. Right. And what might be a good path for one person might not be a good path for another. So I think everyone has to really explore and answer this question for themselves. So what might be great for me might not be great for you. And uh, it's, you know, so it's just something that uh, I think one of the things that's so unfortunate in our society, though, is this kind of stereotype has been painted of, you know, it's for crazy people or you know, uh, you're going to take LSD and jump out of a third story window thinking you can fly and things like that. And I think uh, it's like you can go back to the 20s with uh, one of the, the propaganda movies on weed talking about how it's going to cause, you know, you to want You know, I remember one, there's one the one where it talks about how it makes black men want to rape white women and all this crazy stuff. It's like weed is the most marijuana is the most calm, peaceful plant that's ever existed um so it's just like propaganda and there's been so much of it that's um especially going back you know the generations previous to ours it's like i talk to my parents about psychedelics and things and it's just like (gasps) you know they don't understand because they've been told it's this awful thing and you Mm -hmm. know i think of terence mckenna the uh mystic psychonaut lecturer you know who talked a lot about psychedelic drugs and, and entheogens and uh, he said, you know, psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open you up to the possibility that everything you know is wrong. And I think if you're going to be honest with yourself and you really explore what's happening in this society and thank goodness a lot of these walls are starting to be dissolved as they're exploring MDMA for you know, um, helping people with post-traumatic stress disorder and ketamine was just, uh, I just saw something where they're, uh, now recommending that, uh, and using that where you can, um, prescribe that to someone who is suicidal Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's starting to finally loosen and and it's starting to become more accepted. Thank goodness that these things can be hugely beneficial. Not just that, it's a little bit of a renaissance really in psychedelic research that we're seeing now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone, that uh, looks like we're getting down to it. 
Thank you for tuning in to yet another edition of the Positive Head Podcast. As you're journeying out there in your life, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone.